See, one place to begin in finding contentment is finding the people who care about you. See, the problem with waiting for what could be in the future, always seeking something else to be satisfied, is you will always fall short. If you just need a little bit more money to be happy, if you just need a little better job or another vacation, if you just need one more thing, you will never have the thing you're chasing. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. What fills you up? What leaves you feeling satisfied? I think for many of us, very little. I think we chase satisfaction. We chase things that we think will leave us happy or feeling this sensation of joy or like everything's going to be okay. And yet oftentimes we get so caught up in the chase that we can't find it today. Today we are finishing the book of Philippians, which we've been in now for all of 2021. And we're going to finish this book, this letter written by Paul. And in this book, he gives us perhaps the greatest secret to life that most of us don't know. One that I think if we were going to do some clickbait or anything like that, you would want to click on and want to know, here's the deal. You can be full and satisfied. How? Well, let's read Philippians and get into it. We're beginning in chapter 4, verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. 
To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And that ends the book of Philippians. Now, the book ends here kind of as a little aside. You see, Paul's been teaching the people of Philippi how to live a godly life. He's been teaching them how to live as one who honors God, who's different from this world, how to be set apart, to be holy, to be humble, to love and to serve and to focus on what really matters the most. And then he concludes with a little thank you note. Hey, I've been in a rough spot and you guys came to my aid. Thank you. Things were going really tough for me and you were there. I I really appreciate it. And in the middle of this thank you note, he gives us this little nugget. You see, Paul, the reason he's writing this thank you note is he's in prison in Rome, facing federal uh, charges, charges of treason against the emperor, quite possibly his death. And in prison at the time, if you were imprisoned, the only way you had food or clothing or drink or anything to survive was by somebody else, typically family, bringing it to you. Almost a thousand miles from home, Paul is alone, stranded in prison. But the people of Philippi hear about Paul's struggles and they send Ephrodites to him almost over 800 miles. Look, we care about you this much. We'll do whatever it takes to provide. And so Paul, he writes, thank you for your help. Not that I was actually in need, but I appreciate you providing for me. So we're going to begin in verse 10 and just spend some time focusing on this idea of contentment. How can you and I learn to be content? How do we create contentment that we are satisfied and filled no matter what may come? Here we go. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concerns for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I find that one of my natural inclinations when things begin to get tough is to grumble and complain. How about you? Like I just want other people to know that my situation's not ideal, that things could be better. And then I also find that when things are tough, I look for what do I hope gets better? And I just start putting my hope in those things. Like, maybe you're single and you're like, I just can't wait for the day when I get married. Or you're in school and I can't wait until I graduate. Or I can't wait until I get a job. Or I can't wait until I go on vacation. Or I just can't wait until I have kids. And then you have kids and you just can't wait until they move out. (laughs) And you just can't wait all of your life until you get to the end and you realize... You've wasted most of your life just not waiting for things that could have come. Rather than living in the moment, celebrating what is. He begins, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because of you. Again, over 
probably 15 or 16 times throughout this small letter, Paul writes, rejoice, be filled with joy, celebrate, rejoice. He's all about finding joy no matter what. And again, he says, not I rejoiced because God fixed my problems. Not I rejoiced because my pain has has gone away. Not I rejoiced because I have answers to my questions. No, I rejoiced greatly at length because of your concern for me. See, one place to begin in finding contentment is finding the people who care about you. See, the problem with waiting for what could be in the future, always seeking something else to be satisfied, is you will always fall short. If you just need a little bit more money to be happy, if you just need a little better job or another vacation, if you just need one more thing, you will never have the thing you're chasing. It's like a carrot on a stick that you hang in front of you. Right? You keep chasing the carrot, but you never actually get it. Paul, he rejoices because of their concern. And then he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. This little word, content, in many ways, I would say that's almost, for most Americans, like the opposite of what it means to be American. In fact, we're trained and taught everywhere we look not to be content. We're filled with marketing day in and day out about just the the things you need to be a little bit better. You buy this coffee and you're going to be the most happy and joyful person ever, which may be true for some of us on a day when you lose an hour of sleep. We're filled with marketing that says if only you have the right shampoo, well then you'll be attractive. Doesn't matter that you're bald, at least you have the right shampoo. We are taught as Americans that our American dream is to just pursue something more, something greater, and we always believe the pursuit of happiness is the greatest good. But do you know what the problem with the pursuit of happiness? You never find it. Because somebody else will always be more attractive than you or have a better marriage than you or nicer house than you. Somebody else will always be more and something else will always be available. Paul, he's describing this situation where he literally is starving and in great need. He says, it's not that I actually have any need because I've learned to be content. How do we do this? How do we become content? Content, how do we just learn to stop all the noise and say, right now, I'll be satisfied with where I am and what I have. Right now, I'll be thankful for what I'm going through. Well, three things for you. First, if you are interested, contentment is something you learn. Not a one of us is born content. I mean, think about Adam and Eve in the garden when they have literally everything. Life is perfect. And the one thing they can't have, they desire. See, none of us are born content. There's something in us that craves more. Craves better, craves different. Even something in us that says, I deserve 
better or more or different. If you want to become content, you need to begin by learning what contentment is. Contentment is not necessarily complacency, where you say, I don't need any change. No, there may be good change that you should pursue. Contentment doesn't mean you never seek something better, but it means you choose to focus right now on who God is, on what he's done, and what he will do. In fact, Paul, he continues, we'll come back to the second point here in a moment, but he continues in the next verse, he says this. Uh, Actually, in verse 13, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Anybody ever heard that verse before? It's quoted out of context all the time. I haven't studied for this test, but I know I can pass because I can do all things, right? I don't know that I'm even qualified for the job, but I'll, I'll do it because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oftentimes we use this verse out of context as a way to pursue the American dream. Well, Christ strengthens me, so I'm going to hit a home run today, right? Christ strengthens me, so whatever, you fill in the blank. But for Paul, that's not what this means, that Christ strengthens you. Now you back up to verse 12, he says this, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Your contentment will only come through Christ. And you have to learn it. And sometimes learning hurts. Sometimes learning means you ask God for something that you think you need or that you really desperately want. And his answer is no. Or not yet. Or I have something altogether different for you. Sometimes contentment means recognizing that God's ways are better than yours. You can do all things through him who strengthens you. Contentment is something you have to learn. Second, contentment isn't circumstantial. You see, oftentimes when we're pursuing that next thing, we think, well, as soon as my kids are old enough to use the toilet, life will be easy. Because that's where I'm at right now. Unfortunately, even then you have challenges and messes and mistakes. When you're always living believing that somebody else has an easier time being content, you're missing the point altogether. Contentment is not about what you have. It's not about what you don't have. It's not about life suddenly being this picture you hoped for. Again, it's about Christ where you are. Paul is writing from a dungeon, literally chained to a guard, starving apart from the assistance of the Philippians. He says, look, I've learned I don't have any needs. God will be enough. He'll provide. Now, this is a really uncomfortable thing to say. When was the last time you actually needed God to provide? See, for most of us, not necessarily all, but for most, we can go to the grocery store today and pick up a loaf of bread. 
And if we have nothing else, I've learned in Tennessee, when the weather turns bad, you just make bread and milk sandwiches. It'll be okay, right? So all you need is a little bit of bread, a little bit of milk, you'll be fine. Most of us could go and get that. We probably have access to some kind of shelter, whether it's our own place or a place we're borrowing and we're staying at through rent or whether it's a place we're invited into like these shelters next door, most of us have access to a place to have a roof over our head. And yet, most of us are probably not content each day. Paul, he writes this in verse 12. Uh, I'll say it again. He says, I know how to be brought low and how to abound in any and every circumstance. If you're waiting for your situation to change before you become okay with it, it'll probably never change the way you hope it does. Contentment is recognizing that in our broken mess, our hurt, our pain, our discomfort, in the things we want changed, God is still enough. And then he continues, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Abundance and need. This leads to the third thing for you. Contentment is for plenty and need. See, it's really easy to think that I only need to be content like when I don't have anything. When life is miserable, that's when I need to trust in God and I need God to be enough. But you know what? When life is going really good, that's when contentment becomes harder. I've had the opportunity to travel abroad several times and a couple of those trips have taken me to some places in the world filled with poverty like I've never imagined. Children, five and six years old, taking care of their younger siblings because their parents are too strung out. Digging through garbage, seeking to find something. And I found a pretty remarkable thing in all of these places. Oftentimes, as Americans, not knowing what we're doing and thinking we're helping, we think, let's bring candy because that's what starving kids need, right? It'll bring them joy. And we'd often bring a little bit of candy to hand to these kids And something remarkable happens almost every time. If you give these kids candy and there's a kid without, they often split it and share it. Kids who have nothing eagerly give. And yet, if I give my son a piece of candy or my daughter a piece of candy, I might have to pull some teeth to convince them to share with their brother or sister. See, this is the way it is for many of us. When we have nothing, we can be really satisfied with just something. But when we start to have a lot of somethings, we begin to be afraid, what if I lose my something? Or what if somebody else tries to take my thing, whatever that thing is? Or what if, you know what, I just don't even need to pray because I know where my daily bread is coming from. The Taco Bell or the Chick-fil-A or wherever, whatever drive through I go through, it'll be fine. Paul, he says, look, if you want to learn the secret of life, it comes from being okay with plenty and need. It comes from realizing in your time where things are going well, you still need God to be your strength and to be your hope. See, when you're just trying to pay the bills, like just barely getting by, and you're not sure where your next meal is coming from, You don't spend a whole lot of time dreaming of the the next iPhone or iPad or TV that you hope to purchase. 
because all you're thinking about is where am I going to eat? But when you have some extra money at the end of the month, now you have a dilemma. How do I spend this extra money? What things do I want? My kids have signed up for the Imagination Library, and recently my daughter got a book called Spend It. And it's this little kid's book all about this rabbit who gets an allowance of three carrots, because that's bunny money. And this rabbit gets three carrots, and this rabbit gets super excited. He just wants to go and buy, buy, buy everything. And then he learns that some things have a price, and the price isn't even. And he has to face the tough decision. Does he want the bouncy castle, which is 100 carrots, or the pogo stick, which is three? And in this book for children, there's this wrestling with, what is it I want to prioritize? How do I want to spend what I have? Whether or not that's a good theological book, my daughter certainly loves it. And it's certainly really good to think about. With your plenty when things are going well, is God enough for you? Or do you just need one more thing? How do you prioritize your spending or your energy or your thoughts or even the way you talk to other people? When we learn to be content in all things, when we learn to say whatever today may bring, that is enough for me. And we can begin to disconnect from all the needs and all the wants that we think are needs, and all the things we're told we should want, and we begin to find joy not in all of that stuff, and not in our circumstance, and not in whether we have plenty or have nothing, when we begin to find joy in God. This God who gives us the company of people who will love us and care for us in all circumstances. In that place, we can begin to be content. And I tell you, contentment will change the way you view the whole world. That iPhone is still nice, and you can still buy it. But also, it's not that important. And you don't have to fear or fret, what if you don't have it and somebody else gets it? You don't have to spend hours in line waiting to be the first. You could say, if I get it, when I get it, that's okay. And if not, so be it. Contentment fills you with this sense of peace that he's been describing all through this letter. It says, I don't need anything. God will supply all of my needs. He actually says that if you jump down a couple verses later to, chapter, or to verse 19, he says this, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. See, learning to be content, to say God is enough in all circumstances. God will provide in every need. God will be who he said he will be. Learning to be content helps us to see that God is faithful to all of his promises. To everything he said he would do, he will do. And so if you're in need and if you're anxious like we talked about a couple weeks ago and if you're finding yourself discontent, you can seek to be filled with all of these things the world has to offer. And they will fill you, but only temporarily. Or you can hear this word that Paul speaks, my God will supply all your needs, every need 
according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We begin to find peace not in what we do or do not have, what we hope changes or stays the same. We find peace that God is always faithful. I love that Paul ends this letter in Philippians or to the Philippians with the call to contentment. See, the whole book, the whole letter is about living different, being different than the rest of the world. I'll tell you what, few things are more astonishing than seeing somebody, whether they have lots or they have little, who's at peace wherever they are. It'll stop you in your tracks when you see it, and it's inviting. Other people, our neighbors, our world want peace and are filled with discontentment. So it's my hope and my prayer today that as you go, his strength would be enough, that he would be enough, that you would go knowing that you can do all things, or more specifically, you can endure all things. You can go through all things. You can trust in all things because he will strengthen you. And then he ends with this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. As you go, may he fill you with his grace to see that you don't need one more thing or one more life change. You just need him. Amen. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come before you. You have taught us to be content and yet we fill our minds with wants and needs and desires, with hurts and pains and anguish, God. Teach us today to be content. Whatever you've given and whatever you've taken, teach us to trust that you are faithful, that you will supply our every need God, teach us to bring our needs before you and to wait. Teach us to surrender our wants to you and to trust. And may we be filled with peace that is no longer needing and craving and seeking more, but finds in all things you to be enough. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. As we continue our worship today, we're going to collect an offering. And we collect an offering in this place, sort of like Paul, not because we have a need. No, we trust God will supply every need. But we collect an offering as an opportunity to participate in what God is doing. To say, I'm going to trust you in my time of need and in my time of plenty. I'm going to join in giving and supporting the work that you are doing. So if you came today prepared to give and you would like to give uh, cash or check physically, you can do so in the popcorn buckets when you leave. Or if you prefer to give online, you can do so at thepointknocks.com. Uh, click the little blue button and however you give or whatever you give, remember this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Now every week we invite questions and you're welcome to ask questions and I'll do my best to respond. So uh, what questions do we have today? Yeah, um, we actually... 
don't have any from this morning, but someone texted in Sunday night uh, last week. So that one says, hi, I am in my second reading of The Search for the Twelve Disciples by William McBurney. It has a Catholic bent, but is interesting as concerning historical traditions. The terms Coptic and Melkite churches keeps cropping up, and I don't know what is being referenced. Awesome. Uh, this person, thank you for texting with them last week and specifying. They, they said at the end, I believe, uh, we, get, we gave up Facebook for Lent, so can you respond on Sunday? Which also gave me a whole week to figure the answer out, so thank you. Um, <laughs> Real simple, Coptic typically refers to Christians from Egypt. So if you read Coptic, think of Christians from the Egyptian region. Uh, maybe they're not ethnically or Egyptian, but uh, they're from that area. And what was the other word? Melkite? Melkite. Melkite. That was a tricky one I didn't know. Uh, in case you don't know this, the church through its history has been filled with broken and sinful people. And uh, about the year 400 AD, so shortly after the Nicene Creed was written, the church got in a big fight and split. And uh, you have what's called the Eastern Church and the Western Church. The Western Church kind of followed Rome and uh, the Pope and became what we know as the Roman Catholic Church. The Eastern Church centered their leadership in a city called Constantinople, which uh, is now Istanbul. And uh, they kind of began to develop different traditions and perspectives and approaches to the same scripture and the same God. And so the Melkite? Melkite. Melkite. <laughs> thank you for giving me a week to look this up. Uh, generally refers to Christians who pursued that Eastern Orthodox, Eastern perspective. Not that of Rome, but that of uh, Constantinople. Uh, now there's some nuances there where it can also sometimes refer to Catholics who then also followed some of this tradition. It gets really weird, but generally speaking, if you come across that term, it refers to uh, Christians who followed more of the Eastern perspective and less of the Western perspective that we came out of. Um, again, thank you for giving me a week so I don't have to do point leftovers and I could dive in and do some research. It, was that it? Any that questions? was it, yeah. Well, anytime you have a question, midweek or on Sunday morning, you can text your questions in and we'll do our best to respond. And if we don't have answers, to do some research and find them for you. Um, with that then, receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.